Hi, I'm Adam and this is Abstractly Alive. Today, I'm here with Isabella Escobar. She's an artist and illustrator based in the United States. Hi, Isabella. Hi, Adam. So, tell us a little about yourself. Hey, my name is Isabella. I'm Colombian and I'm an immigrant in the United States. And I came to the United States to study art, visual arts specifically. Um, and right now, I am a professional illustrator and full-time artist. So, how long have you been a professional artist? And what did you do prior to this? I've been a professional artist for four years, and I've been doing it full-time for two years. I started out, once I graduated school, at first I was doing graphic design, and I was doing it for a visual a video company, visual solutions company. For a bit and then I went into marketing for a while as well um and then eventually after like a few years of working in marketing and not being really happy with where I was and doing the whole office thing every single day I decided to quit my day job and focus on doing art 100% um this happened mostly the day that I realized that I had enough freelance work because I was doing simultaneously, I was as I was working in the office, I was also doing freelance. So I ended up working like twice as much as usual. Uh, so once I kind of like had something concrete and I knew that I had a client base and that people were seeking me out for art and that I was earning money from art and that I had a little bit of money saved up, I decided like, okay, this is it. I'm going to stop going to this office every day where I'm not happy and I'm just going to focus on doing art 100%. So you took that leap of faith. Wonderful. So how did you get into art? Growing up, were you always inclined towards art or is it something that you picked up along the way? I think that I'm one of those kids who just never stopped drawing. You know, all kids draw and I just never stopped. Um, I was actually looking through my stuff from kindergarten the other day and I found a little thing that's like career day. What do you want to be when you grow up? And my mindset artist. So I guess I had a really clear idea that this is what I wanted to do my entire life. That's wonderful. I think very few people ever start out with the idea of doing exactly what they want to do and end up doing it later in life. It's, it is. And unfortunately it happens to a lot of people where they have to pick or life circumstances kind of steer them away from what their essence is. I was incredibly lucky to have an upbringing where I was allowed to express myself. And I was very lucky to have parents who encouraged me to be an artist 100%. My mother is my biggest fan and she was always like, you want to be an artist? You you have to be what you love doing. Um, so that was part of my upbringing. There was never this like notion that you, you know, you have to sacrifice and work and work. It was like, no, you should do what you're passionate about and you have to find a way to make that work for you. That's fortunately very different from the popular narrative where usually if someone decides to be an artist, they're discouraged because the idea is always, or rather the phrase is the struggling artist. Yes, and it is a very common narrative and it is a very... It's a very difficult field and it's still to this day I get prejudice. Like <laughs> recently I was like scolded by a stranger telling me like, oh, maybe you should consider a career change or something like that. You know, it still happens. Um, but honestly, being an artist now a days is easier than it has ever been in any point in history ever. 
because you're telling me that I can literally draw something, put it put it up online and make a million products from it and market it myself on the internet and put it on a website. And it doesn't even cost me anything, really, you know? So if there's a time to be an artist, it is this day and age. Yeah, I can imagine things like, say, distribution and putting your art out there has become a whole lot more accessible now than it was earlier on. But doesn't that also open the can of worms of the idea of plagiarism? Because hasn't it also become a whole lot easier to plagiarize someone's work now? You can just go online, copy someone's work, trace, and then just present it as your own. Yeah, and the risk of choosing to share your work on the internet is that you're putting yourself out there and you're putting your work for there for ever, anyone to see. So if you're putting something on the internet, you have to be prepared for there to be plagiarism. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's also like, what is original art really? And how do you really create a piece of art that's 100% truly original? Um, personally, I believe that, you know, everything has been created in the world and that everything ends up being a mix of different influences and then processed through the individual artists. And then when once it comes out and it goes through like your brain filter and your personality filter and it comes out of your hand, it's already something else. Right. So you just have to be ready for plagiarism is going to happen. You know, you have to be ready to handle it. You have to know how to handle it. You have to be legally protected and you have to be cool about it also because it's it's I think it's a form of flattery. Yeah, that is the popular statement that imitation is the best form of flattery. But having said that, has your work been plagiarized before? If so, how did you handle that? You know, I've had like, yeah, a little bit. And also I've had like a thing where that happened that I draw this three-eyed cat. I also had a thing that happened with a big brand once that came to me and told me that I- Is this the character called Prometheus? Yes, Prometheus. So yeah, so I, I have him tattooed on my arm and I've had him tattooed over 10 years. And then there's this big brand, I'm not going to name them, came to me and said, you're plagiarizing our design. Um, Yes, it was a big issue, but I have been drawing the same character as they have been for many, many years, right? So that was one thing that happened. Um, eventually, like, you know, there was a cease and desist letter. I never stopped drawing my Prometheus. It, that ended up with me learning a lot about trademarks and copyright law and artist copyright infringement and all that. And then something else happened. So that's one end of it. And then the other end of it is that my friends were like, look at this person and it was a person who had made a pin with a three-eyed cat. It was very similar to mine, but a little different. And it was a complete coincidence. And I was like, at first I was like, oh my gosh, is this plagiarism? But then it turns out it was just a coincidence. I ended up reaching out to this person. Um, and I was like, it's really cool. I love it. Why don't we do a trade? And we ended up trading her pin for my pin. And we ended up becoming friends. And to this day, she's one of my close like online friends. I think that must be probably the most positive story I've ever heard coming out of plagiarism. But then again, I think it has happened before that in history, two different artists come up with artwork that's very similar in concept, even without ever seeing each other's work or having any influence on each other. It's incredibly common. And also, I feel like it's more productive to encourage 
people like for for me I encourage people to draw my characters to copy my art if it helps them there's a lot of young artists who are just starting out maybe they're teenagers maybe even younger and if they think my characters or my art is cool and cute and they want to emulate it I'm going to be their biggest fan a hundred percent like send it to me show it to me I'll share it I'll post it I'll tag you I'll make noise I'll be like I'll scream I love it isn't that, in a sense, the whole philosophy behind the trend of do it in your own style? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that trend. If we can be a positive influence for upcoming artists, I think that's the role that we should take and encourage them instead of discouraging them, you know, because then they, they like kind of like maybe they don't know a lot of the times or they're like new to the whole scene or they're just learning. Um, sometimes people message me, they ask me for permission. Sometimes they just tag me. I'm pretty cool with it. Um, sometimes people want to get tattoos of my art. I'm pretty cool with that too. As long as the only thing I'm not okay with is like, if it's a big brand who takes a piece, literally steals a design from me and puts it on a product is profiting from them, then yeah, then you're going to, you're going to speak to my attorney. But other than that, yeah, that's a different thing though. So talking about your art, what is the inspiration or concept that drives the subjects for your artwork and characters? I do a lot of mythological, like mystical art. Um, I guess my two biggest narratives, I would say, is the divine feminine, like taking the female form, which I'm so inspired by, and just by like my status of just being a woman is my my experience of being a woman is just incredibly inspiring to me. The way I experience the world, um, and like elevating that into, I guess, into like a mystical sense, because I love studying about mysticism of every different culture in the world. And another trope I use a lot is like the beauty versus the beast archetypes. A lot of it is like the beast, the wild, and then like the delicate, feminine, nurturing side. And then like that, that like, I guess, either conflict or compliments against each other or together. I think of it as like two parts of my own nature. Um, I call my artwork emotional self-portraits in a sense because they all stem from a feeling that I have originally and then from there an image comes out that I'm trying to communicate. I really like this balance between something that's really calm and something that's chaotic. Something that effectively starts accentuating each other by their very natures. They not only do they accentuate each other, I think that they, they complement each other really well. It's part of it's two sides of the same coin. It's not two different things, you know what I mean? Like it's a balance. Um it it, it describes my I guess my own nature <laughs> as well. <laughs> okay. All right. So having spoken about how art has evolved and has become something far more accessible, do you have a personal preference of medium? like working on digital with a graphic tab or maybe working on just plain pencil and paper? I can't tell you that I have a preference. For me, traditional art is so amazing. There is something about real inks, mediums, paints, the smells. It's just different. The thing about digital art, though, is that it's very convenient. And then I have, you know, I work on my iPad with Procreate and Having my iPad with me, it weighs less than one pound and I have literally every color that the human eye can see at the tip of my fingers. Whereas if I'm working with my markers or with my paints, I have to carry a whole lot of paints with me and it's messier. So it's more of a convenience. Yeah. Um, but I could 
I couldn't tell you which one I prefer. I love I love them both. They're just very different. Lately, I've been doing more digital just because it's easier, I guess. Do you miss the tactility though? The feeling of just a pencil in your hand against the texture of paper? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. It's a very different feeling. And the, the end result is going to be incredibly different just because of the, just the fact of you holding a pencil, the weight of a pencil, the lead. So many different things can modify your line quality, the weight, the dynamics, even the colors. It changes it. So in a very subtle way, the end result is going to be different. And you can really try to emulate traditional artists best as you can on an iPad, but it's never going to be the same exact thing as when it comes out. Also, traditional art gives way to, I would call it like happy accidents, you know, like the Bob Ross saying. Sometimes mistakes end up enhancing a piece or organic um, forms or, or decisions that you can't backtrack. Whereas you're working digitally, you can. You can yeah, you can control Z. Yeah, the controls you can do, try again. Sometimes that's not possible in traditional art and that gives it a different quality and that ends ends up affecting the end result. But that's what makes it so beautiful. Um, so paper, yes, paper is paper, canvas is canvas, and the screen is the screen. You could never, you could never replace one with the other. I agree. I guess we have to respect each medium for what it has to offer. All right. So having spoken about how you started out in art and how art itself has changed over the years since you began, how do you define art? Or rather, what does art mean to you? When or how does something become art? Yeah, you, yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. So um, I saw this TED Talk, which I can't remember who said it, but it was. I think that's the best definition and the one I adopted myself is that and this is more about visual arts than any other type of art. But that being said, it could still be applied to other forms of art, even like non-visual mediums such as music. I think that art is a way to entice the senses and give the senses an experience that, that cannot perceive regularly in reality. So for me, art, okay, so you can make a really hyper-realistic painting, make it look exactly like a photograph, which is technically really amazing. You know, that just the technical skills can be really incredible. Yeah, but do you really want to do that? Why not just take a photo of it if you want to be photorealistic? Uh, the, the beauty of art is that you can create things that do not exist in reality. And that it, it stimulates the sense of vision in visual arts specifically to experience things that it hasn't experienced in reality before. Um, it could be kind of like dreamlike. And that's why I put a lot of surrealist elements into my artwork. And I work with a lot of mysticism and like a lot of like magic because it's something that we can't really experience in the real world. So for me, that's the role of art is to entice imagination, entice the senses, enhance the experience of reality into us seeing things that we cannot normally see. I see. Makes sense. So Earlier on, we spoke about how it's become a lot easier being an artist in this day and age with all the accessibility that we have. But having said that, what's the most difficult part of being an artist in this day and age, according to you? Mm, I think the hardest part about being an artist nowadays is learning how to sell and price your work because no one teaches you that. And there's also really no correct answer to that, right? 
Um, I really try to encourage young artists who come to me or emerging artists who come to me and ask me questions like, how did you start pricing your work? By giving them an industry standard. And I'm going to give it to you right here publicly. I think the industry standard should be $300 an hour for artistic professional work. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the standard right now, especially in an illustration field. It, it varies a little bit for other fields like concept work or animation. It had, like It has a lot of different... Um, variations, but we should price ourselves accordingly because it elevates, first of all, the status of an artist into the sense where like, if, if there's an industry standard and everyone's kind of charging the same thing, it becomes more respectable and fair for everyone else. So if you're trying to like get more clients, pricing yourself less by, by charging less money, that could be harmful for the industry as a whole. We want to keep it at a certain standard so that people are prepared to be like, okay, this is what it costs to have art made for me. Yeah, that becomes a huge issue if everyone starts undercutting each other's prices and then effectively brings down the overall bar for the art industry. Yeah, and that's only going to be harmful for everyone. At the end of the day, it's our responsibility as artists to make sure that the standard is met so that we all benefit from it. So now having all the experience that you have, is there something that you would have done differently in your career as an artist? Mm, I guess I would have started earlier to take myself seriously. Would you have quit your day job earlier? I would have. And I would have probably lunged into it a lot earlier when I was maybe younger. I wish I could have started 10 years ago, you know? Um, yeah, because then imagine if I had 10 more years of experience right now where I would be right now that's I think that's what I would do differently um also you know going to school is amazing the experience the the lessons so always I would say I would have learned the basics not the basics but like the fundamentals much earlier because I started to take art seriously a little later in life um I'm 32 right now and I went to I started going to college for art at like 25 so you spoke of quitting your day job, but how does one do that? Because I think one of the biggest deterrents for someone doing that these days is that they don't know how to sustain themselves after they quit their day job. So would you have any advice for people like that who are about to make that leap of faith to follow art as a full-time career? Yeah, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do that or they don't have the choice to do that. For me, it was different because I had support Um like from my living situation, the circumstances were just kind of right at that moment. You know what I mean? I had enough money saved up. I was living with roommates. So my I knew what my cost of living and it was really low. And it was opportune and I just took it. And I understand that for a lot of people, that is not that possible because they have the responsibility to keep themselves afloat um, financially. That being said, that doesn't invalidate an artist. If they're a part-time artist or a full-time artist or a hobbyist, that does not invalidate the quality or the validity of your artwork or your integrity as an artist. Um, I understand that it's not possible for everyone to do what I do, but if you have the opportunity, I would say do it. It's so fulfilling. I don't regret it. I love it. It's my lifestyle. I'm my own boss. I, I run my own company. It's small, but you know, it, I'm, this is what I do for a living. This is what I live off of. It took me a couple of years until I actually saw real stable income from it. But right now I'm at a point in life where I have a steady flow of work and I can 
say I live from my art. That's wonderful. And I think that's the word of confidence a lot of people needed to hear right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to know that it is possible. It is not easy. It's not like, oh, just do it and you're gonna, it's going to work out. No, there's a lot of planning, organizing, uh, structuring that you have to have. It took me a long time to get here to the structure that I have right now, like to the point where I'm like, the website is done, the shop is ready, the clients are there, my workflow is designed, my my CV is designed so that I have like my whole thing on my website where you can just go in and see my prices base and that people know that there's this is this, 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 this is a standard, there's a list. That takes a long time to to accomplish. Um and while you're figuring it out, a lot of things are going to change. Like at first I was charging less and then I learned, you know, that like my whole, like I do 50% up front, 50% once I turn it in, all of that. It takes a, a while. It took me, I think, about two years of consistently being an artist every single day, like a professional full-time artist for me to get to the point where I was completely stable. So be prepared I did go through hardships. I did go through hungry faces. I did go through struggling artists. I did go through like, oh my God, what am I going to do about rent? Oh my God, what am I going to do about groceries? But it gets easier the more you do it. And it's not hard forever. The thing is that you have to have consistency. You have to have self-discipline and you have to push yourself and you have to have structure. If you don't have those things, you could be really talented. You're not going to get anywhere. Talent is only 10%. Hard work is the other 90%. So essentially, you're also trying to say that it's never this blind jump into becoming an artist. It also involves a lot of planning in terms of how you would get your art out there. It's about the marketing that you would have to do, your client meetings, your accounting, how you put your life together in that regard. Absolutely. There's this very romantic idea of being an artist, of just like being with this, you know, waif that paints all day in a studio and then magically, you know, it transforms into money yeah, <laughs> yeah that is the popular really, opinion yeah that's that is the, the the popular opinion but really what ends up happening is that you end up becoming an entrepreneur you end up becoming your own machine of marketing of product design of selling website builder customer service provider anything you can imagine so if you want to run your own little enterprise that's the role you have to take. You have to be prepared to do a little bit of everything. You have to be prepared to do packaging. You have to be prepared to do shipping. You have to be prepared to talk to clients, go back and forth, send emails, call people, do your own paperwork, do your own copywriting, do your own. So it's it's more like a full-time artist is it's the same as any entrepreneur. It's worth noting. It's worth noting that those skills can become so marketable and so valuable that people reach out to me for consultation as well. So that's one of the services I offer as an artist is art consulting, which means that people trust my aesthetic vision. They trust my eye, they trust my taste and they trust me to tell them what to do in certain things. You spoke about the definition of what art is to you. There's also this popular definition of art, which suggests that art becomes art purely because the artist declares something as art. This is coming from a piece that was done in early 2019 called The Comedian by Maurizio Catalan, which was basically just a banana taped to the wall. What are your thoughts on that front? 
Uh, yeah, I was here when that happened. This happened in Miami and during Art Basel. It sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I, it's that that's like a like a dataist prank almost. But it's it is true. It is true in the sense that if somebody puts a pin on a wall and then puts a frame around it and declares it art, then it is a valid form of art. I I agree with that. Um, do I like it? No, <laughs> but I agree that it is art. It is a form of expression. And it's a way to to tantalize the senses. What we we're talking about. It's just the art world is just so funny in that sense. But. You know, this has been going on for more than 100 years. The first Dadaist was Duchamp when he put a urinal that he found and it was called Found Objects and he put it in a museum and that that and started a whole art movement in itself and it redefined art. And nowadays we live in a post-postmodern world where art, trust me, I, I wrote a paper on this when I was in college about post-postmodernism. It's a huge subject and people have written gigantic papers. People have PhDs on it. And what defines art and what is and what is it? And the, the bottom line is that, that each individual human being defines it. Um, and if it's attractive or people resonate with it, then it's valid. But also, you know, Adam, honestly, there's also a lot of, there's also a lot of just like who you are and a lot of like just the name kind of stuff. There's a lot of clout in the art world. There's a lot of vapid words. Of course. Yeah. Would it also be right to say that if someone else had done the same thing, this stunt, it would not have come to the same acclaim? It might not. It's also about who did it first a lot of the times. Like the first guy who taped the banana to the wall, he made an art piece. You try to do it again, now you're a clown. If you're trying to copy him, he did it first. So now that that, that artist is the artist who did that and they're going to go down in history. <laughs> so it's all about that as well. But abstract art itself, though, Abstract art is not as simplistic as people take it for, because on a very shallow level, you look at, you know, a, an abstract piece and you see a square with color on it. And that's that. But once you try to do abstract art and you learn what it is and what abstraction is, you realize that there's so many layers of profundity and there's so many layers of nuance behind it and that it does have its own technique and abstraction is very valid because abstraction is a way of putting reality onto a canvas or onto a medium. So abstraction is what the artist filters through their being, brain, mind, body, soul, biases, everything, personality, everything that they are. And it comes out the other end transformed in a way. It's almost like alchemy. Um, it goes in through the eyes. Well, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Alchemy, or yeah, it, being a form of alchemy. Alchemy, because it goes in through your eyes and it goes through your brain and it filters through your being, of your whole being, everything you are, and then it comes out different. No matter what you do, you if you pick up a pencil, even if you're a trained artist or an untrained artist, reality goes through the filter and it transforms. So that transformation, I think, is what really makes art art. What really va- makes it valuable is is that like that el- that human element in between the artist, right? So, considering the human element, would it also be true to say that something also becomes art when an audience or maybe a person 
reacts to that said art that's another element when somebody's experiencing something it can also become art but then that, this is such a big topic of conversation because then if you're looking at a sunset and you're experiencing it can you call it art or can you just call it nature but then once a, a photographer takes a photo of that sunset and shows it to an audience and then that person experiences it through the lens of the artist then it becomes art you know yeah i completely understand and i guess this is too far deeper topic to have in such a short conversation <laughs> yeah we can talk about this all day yeah exactly so having heard your story so far i can't help but ask and this might be a stupid question to ask but i'm curious if not an artist what would you have seen yourself doing in life oh that's not a stupid question um i wish that i would have been a scientist especially like a biologist specifically maybe marine biology but i'm not like i'm not like math smart <laughs> unfortunately i've had to learn a lot i've had to learn a lot i'm not like very savvy with that so if maybe if i was like i had a different type of intelligence i would have definitely done science i would have loved to have been a scientist interesting who knows who can really tell maybe in an alternate reality there would be a sibila escobar renowned scientist who I would be talking to on this podcast again. And that is also where we start wrapping up our show for today. So Isabella, is there something that you'd like to tell the audience, all the artists out there who are trying to understand their way and what's next for them in the art world? Yeah, I would say reach out to your favorite artists. You have nothing to lose. And if they don't answer, you can always talk to me. I'll always be happy to discuss your art or your ideas. Um, I'm always happy to take the role of mentorship. I'm not saying I'm a master by any means. I'm still learning every single day. But if I can help anyone be excited about art and try to pursue it seriously, I'd be more than happy to do that. So you can always shoot me a DM. You can always message me. You can always talk to me. I'm always available to discuss art. I'm sure a lot of people are grateful to hear that and know that they can reach out to you now. Absolutely. I'm like I'm here at your service. All right then. and this is where we end our show for today so it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you sibella thank you so much and i hope to have you back on the show someday soon all right thank you so much adam you have a good one you too sibella that's the end of our show for today everyone you can find out more about isabella and her work on her website and also follow her on instagram for some behind the scenes look at her workflow as well as some tips and tricks that you can use to improve your own workflow the links for the same would be provided in the show notes below And in the meantime, stay tuned for more. I am Adam, and this is Abstractly Alive. <laughs>